Well, it is so great to have all of you with us today here at Orchard Church. We also want to welcome those of you that are joining us live online on Facebook right now. If you haven't already, take out your Bibles, your mobile devices today. Turn to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As you're finding your way there this morning, I want to give you an update of the historic weekend that we had on Easter last weekend. Uh, God did some amazing things uh, to change people's lives on Easter. Uh, we are celebrating the fact that 147 people came awake because of their faith in Christ on Easter weekend. Can we celebrate that, church? And not only did we help uh, 147 people find Jesus, but 203 people began to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. They went public with their faith. 203 people were baptized, the most we've ever had on a weekend here at Orchard Church. So. We are celebrating all that incredible life change here at Orchard, and I just want to thank all of you as your pastor from the bottom of my heart for so many of you living on mission uh, to be a part of those stories of life change. You invited people, you served, uh, you prayed. Uh, many of you gave up your seat on Sunday and you came to the Saturday service, which was a good thing because the nine o'clock last week was standing room only. It was completely packed out. So thank you for doing that. Well, today we are in week two of our series called Awake, where we're talking about the afterlife. Now, you may be wondering, why are we talking about death? Why are we talking about dying? Why are we talking about the afterlife? I know if I ever try to have a conversation with my wife about if I die, then do this or don't do that. She doesn't want to have that conversation. She doesn't want to talk about it, which is probably a good thing. It means she doesn't want me to die. She wants me around a little longer, so that encourages me. But I know a lot of times when it comes to death, we don't like to talk about this subject. We don't like to think about death, but I recently read a statistic that was, uh, just blew me away that I found out this, that one out of one people die. Okay? I know that's shocking, right? Um, it's a reality, all right? And, and we keep it real here at Orchard Church, so we're not afraid to, to talk about this. And, and we were reminded, you know, tragically, um, even this week, how short life can sometimes be. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised next week or next month. I mean, we all saw the horrific accident that took place on I-70. Several people lost their lives. We, we just never know. And we want to make sure that we're prepared for the afterlife. Um, God said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, yes. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And he has planted, somebody help me out, he has planted what? Eternity in the human heart. Um, God has placed it in our heart that we believe that there's more than just this life, that there is an afterlife, that there is something more. And that raises a lot of questions about the afterlife, what is going to happen someday when we pass from this life. And I'm going to tell you, we're not going to be able to answer all of your questions in this series. We're going to hit some highlights in the scriptures, but I've given you a couple of resources. If you want to dig a little bit deeper with some of your questions, there in your newsletter at the bottom of your outline, I gave you a couple of great resources that I use all the time. Uh, one of them is a website called gotquestions.org. Um, it is a Christian ministry. It's written by pastors. It's very theologically and doctrinally sound, and you can ask your questions there, and they do a great job of answering them and give you scriptures uh, to back it up and all of those things. So if you want to go a little bit deeper, that's one thing you can do. Another thing I would suggest, especially on this subject, is to pick up this book. It's called One Minute After You Die. It's by Erwin Lutzer, and it goes much more in depth to some of the things that we're gonna be talking about. And in this book, One Minute um, After You Die, Erwin Lutzer says this, one minute after you die, you will either be elated or terrified, and it will be too late to reroute your travel plans. 
That's true, isn't it? And that, that ought to get our attention. And, and so I would encourage you, get this book, check out gotquestions.org to go a little bit deeper. But um, I would also love to give this book out to someone today as, as a gift. And I was trying to decide who to give it to. And you may or may not know this, but for about the last 10 years, um, I have four or five guys on staff that I always preach my message to uh, before you guys hear it. They hear it first and we go over it. One, because they need it. Okay, they, they need to hear it. And uh, the, the second reason why I do that is because if you don't like the message, then you can blame them because they signed off on it. But I was telling them I wanted to give out this book and I said, I asked for a suggestion. I said, who do you think I should give the book to? And they all said, well, just give it to the oldest person in each service. And I said, that's not very Christ-like. And so, you know, one minute after you die, give it to the oldest person. I said, that's not very Christ-like, so we're not gonna do that. But here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give this book today uh, to someone that came for the first time on Easter weekend. It was your first time on Orchard, and now you're back today for this series, for a second time. Just raise your hand if that's anyone, that this is your second time back from Easter, right here? Okay, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna put this at the I Said Yes booth so you can pick it up afterward. Only you, nobody else, okay? This book is for you. Let's give her a hand, good to have you back today. That's awesome. But here's, here's the real reason why we're talking about the afterlife in this series, Awake. And you have this in your notes. Here's the key reason why this is so practical to all of us today. And here's the key thought, because what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Isn't that true? What you believe about eternity determines or should determine how you live today. You see, we're gonna all have a tombstone one day and it's gonna have two dates on it, a birth date and a death date. And in between, there's a dash. And what we're talking about right now is the dash. We're living in the dash. And what we believe about eternity determines how we live in the dash right now, in the here and now. I mean, if we believe that, you know, there's not really a God and we're just all here by accident and coincidence and some big bang theory, and that, you know, once this life is over, that's the end and nothing else happens, then we're probably gonna kind of live the YOLO life. You only live once and we'll be very selfish about our life and, and we're gonna be very self-absorbed. But if we believe that we were created by a God and for a God, and that one day we will stand before that God to give an account of our life, that should change the way we live today. If you agree, say yes. That ought to get our attention. And the truth is this, that we don't really die. That's what you need to know. The truth is we don't really die. Our physical bodies die, but we have a soul, all of us, that is going to live forever somewhere. And that's what the Bible tells us. We're going to unpack that today. And one of our main values here at Orchard Church is this. Help me out, church. What does the Bible say? So I want to let the Bible, God's Word, do the majority of the talking to answer these questions about the afterlife. So if you're, if you're ready to hear a lot of Bible, say, I'm ready. Okay, you asked for it. Just remember, you asked for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's jump in here. Let me give you the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. And context is so important when we're studying the Bible. I, I always say the three most important rules of Bible study are context, context, context. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he's reminding them what is going to happen after they leave this life as believers. And there's a lot we learn here in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 1. And he says this, For we know that when this earthly tent, that's our body, we live in is taken down, that is, when we what, church? When we die and leave this earthly body or tent, 
we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. And I've already put my order in for a six foot, uh, you know, eternal body someday. I'm, I'm counting on that. Verse two, we grow weary in our present bodies. We get tired and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Uh, how many of you ladies like to go shopping? You like new clothing, right? Well, one day we're gonna get new clothing called new bodies in heaven. Verse three, he says, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. We're not gonna be naked spirits floating around heaven. We're gonna get some eternal bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. I know I do, every morning, gotta get up, gotta go to work, ah. We groan and we sigh in these earthly bodies, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. We're not trying to rush death, Paul says, but rather we wanna put on our what, church? We wanna put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his what? His Holy Spirit, we know that the moment someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God puts his spirit or makes our dead spirit come to life. His spirit is living in us. Um, After this series, our next series we're gonna do to kick off the summer, we're gonna do four weeks on the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit's role in our life. You don't wanna miss that. We'll talk more about that. Verse six, he says, so we are always confident. Say, I'm confident. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm confident. Well, what are we confident of, Paul? He says, so we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. We're here and he's in heaven. For we live by believing and not by seeing. That's called faith. Yes, we are fully confident. Say, I'm fully confident. We are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with who, church? With the Lord. When we are away from these earthly bodies, it means as a believer, we are home with the Lord. Verse nine, so whether we are here in this body right now or away from this body, our goal, don't miss this, our goal as believers in Jesus Christ is to make as much money as we can before we die. Our goal as believers is to be YouTube famous. Our goal is to have a record number of likes on social media. No, I know what it says. Our goal as believers is to have a house with shiplap. I don't even know what that is, but my wife tells me that's a really cool thing and a lot of ladies desire that. And I had to practice the word shiplap because I could easily mess that up in church and that would be embarrassing. No, what does Paul say? Whether we're here in this body or we are away from this body, as a believer, our goal, let's say at church, is to please him. Don't miss that. Our goal is to please him, our Lord and Savior, our Heavenly Father. Why? Why is our goal to please him? Here's why. For we must all, as believers, stand before Christ to be judged, to give an account of our lives. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. See, what we believe about eternity determines how we live today. 
That's what Paul is trying to tell us here. And and the rest of our time, here's what I want us to do uh, as we look at the scriptures. I want us to look at three things that happen after this life is over to everyone. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, three things that happen after this life is over when we leave these earthly bodies. If you're taking notes, number one, we see this, that our physical bodies die. That's the first thing that happens. Our physical bodies die. We're all gonna die at some point. Uh, The writer of Hebrews 9.27 said this, each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. Now, I I don't know if you've ever had a near death experience or not. Um, I had uh, one time several years ago what I thought was a near death experience. I realized later it wasn't, but at the time it kind of felt like a near death experience. Um, Our family, my wife and I were were with my uh, father and mother-in-law and we had gone on vacation in Hawaii and we loved to snore uh, when we're, um, you know, at the ocean. And so we were in Oahu and there's this famous place called Hanuma Bay, if you've ever been there. And a lot of people go snorkeling there. And so we were gonna go there, but it was too packed. We couldn't even find a parking spot. And so we got a little bit adventurous and we asked some locals, said, is there another place maybe we could go snorkel? And they said, yeah, if you just drive down the coast uh, two or three miles, uh, there's a bay and it's a good place. It's kind of, uh, nobody knows about it. A lot of locals go there, but tourists don't go there and it's a great place. So we said, okay, let's do it. So we drove down there. And we get out and there's just a few people in the water. And, and so we're all excited. And this, as we're putting on our flippers and masks to go in and snorkel in this spot, this young boy comes out of the water. He's about, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. And we asked him, we said, hey, how is it? Is, is it good? And he said, yeah. He, we said, we're going to see a lot of fish. He said, yeah, you're going to see fish. You're going to see turtles. You're going to see coral. And it's, it's really great. And he goes, and you might even see a shark. And I'm like, oh, this kid's messing with us. He's trying to scare, you know, the tourists away from his, his local spot. And so we get out into the water and sure enough, it is just amazing. It's beautiful and there's coral and there's fish and, and it's just awesome. And we're out about, I don't know, 100, 150 yards um, from the shore. And all of a sudden, sure enough, this shark comes swimming by us. I mean, it almost runs right into my wife. It like brushes alongside of her. Now, it wasn't a baby shark, okay? I mean, it wasn't like, you know, three, four foot. It was at least eight to 10 foot long shark. And I tell people all the time, I'm not short, I'm fun size. And I would have been a fun size snack for this shark. And, but it was so surreal that it didn't like hit us at first that we're not looking at the shark inside of an aquarium. We are in the aquarium with the shark. And then there's another shark and it's starting to circle around us. And then we come to the top of the water and I'm, I'm trying to act all manly and cool. Like I'm not scared like a little girl. And I'm like, well, what do you think we should do? And her dad's like, yeah, we probably should go in. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And so we start swimming and it's like, I mean, it was like record pace to get to the shore and our heart is beating. We're like, did you see that? That was amazing. Oh my gosh. And so we start asking questions and we found out it was a black tip reef shark. And evidently there was a family of them that lived in this cove and they said they're harmless to people but it looked like jaws to me i mean it looked like jaws to me it looked like the real thing and actually a little later i found out some statistics um, that it's very very unlikely to die from a shark attack Uh, as a matter of fact they compared some other things uh, to shark attacks and they said it's more likely that you would die at a party getting hit by a cork from a champagne bottle than to get eaten by a shark uh, which that encouraged me a little bit. Um, they said it's more likely that a coconut would fall off a tree and hit you in the head and kill you than a shark attack. It's more likely that you would die from bad handwriting than a shark attack. 
And you say, well, how could that happen? Because doctors have horrible handwriting and they might prescribe you the wrong medication. It could kill you. That's the, and then, I, this is true. I heard this. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what they said. It is more likely that you would die from falling off of a toilet than from a shark attack. Why people are falling off toilets and dying, I don't understand. I don't know if they're reaching for their cell phone. I mean, we know we're not supposed to text and drive. Probably shouldn't, you know, text and use the toilet. Okay, I've gone too far. I bet, I'm just telling you what I heard. But the, the point is this, we're all gonna die at some point. Hopefully not from falling off a toilet, but we're all gonna die. Hopefully not from a shark attack. Because here's what the Bible tells us, that man was formed from the dust of the ground. That we came from dust and when we die, we're gonna go back to dust. Really, in this dash we're living in, we're nothing but dust. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're nothing but dust. Okay, now some of y'all messed that up. I didn't say tell your neighbor that they're butt dust. I said, we're nothing but dust, all right? My wife gives me a hard time sometimes. She says, you, you have the humor of a middle schooler. And I guess 50-year-old men and middle schoolers think the same things are funny, I don't know. You gotta just work with me, all right? So what, what's the three things that are gonna happen to everyone when we leave this life? Number one, our physical bodies will die. Number two, if you're taking notes, our souls then separate from our physical bodies. Our souls separate from our physical bodies. First, our physical bodies will die, and then our souls, whether we're a believer or not a believer, will separate from our physical bodies. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 28 when he said this, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body, they cannot touch your what, church? Cannot touch your, your soul. We have a body and a soul. R remember in the book of Genesis when God formed man out of the dust of the ground? That the Bible says that we as human beings were made in the image and likeness of God. Well, what is God like? We believe here at Orchard Church that our God is three in one. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How did God make man? He gave us a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are three in one. You see, we're not a body with a soul. We're actually a soul with a body. And when we die, our soul that is meant to live forever will separate from our body. So someday when you die and your family and friends are gathered at the potluck at Aunt Emma's after your funeral is over and they're talking about your life, you're going to be very much alive. Your soul and spirit are going to be somewhere forever. Jesus also reminded of us of this in the Gospel of John, and let me kind of give you the context before we go there, but there was a good friend of Jesus' named Lazarus, and Lazarus had died, and his sisters were there, and the friends were there, and they were all upset about it, and, and they wanted Jesus to come and heal him, but he kind of delayed because he was going to raise him from the dead, but the Bible tells us that when Jesus arrived at the tomb of Lazarus, he had been dead for four days, and just to for us to know how dead he was. Um, I don't know, how many of you grew up in church on the old King James Bible like I did? Any of you remember the old King James? I, I love how the old King James says it. it. says that Lazarus stinketh. I mean, you know you're dead when you stinketh. That's a holy stink, right? I just say he's stanky. So he was so dead that he was beginning to stink. Four days he had been dead. But listen to what Jesus said when he arrived at Lazarus' tomb in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. What's he talking about? He's talking about their soul and their spirit. And he goes on and says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me, what church, will never ever die. Will never ever die. What, what is Jesus referring to? He's referring to our soul and our spirit that will live forever somewhere. So let, let me kind of make sure we catch everyone up. What happens to a believer in Jesus Christ when they die? Paul said, when we are away from the body, we are at home with the Lord. Our physical bodies die, but our soul and our spirit separates from our body and is with the Lord. Most of you know that um, one of the, my heroes of the faith, Billy Graham, passed away uh, about a year and a half ago. He actually died on February 21st, and I'll never forget that because that was my 50th birthday. On my 50th birthday, he went home to be with the Lord, but he was famous for saying this leading up to his death. And here's what Billy Graham said. Someday you will read or hear that Bill, Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. I love that. Man, can we celebrate that? That is true. That is true of every believer in Jesus Christ. That is the assurance and hope that we have when we know Jesus. Again, let me remind you of how Jesus uh, made this clear to us. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he wasn't alone. The Bible tells us in the gospels that there was a thief on each side of him. One of the thieves and the robbers um, made fun of Jesus and mocked Jesus and didn't believe who he claimed to be. The other thief and robber um, actually talked to Jesus and put his faith and trust in Jesus on the cross and watch as this scene played out, what happened, what Jesus said to him. Don't miss this. In Luke chapter 23, verse 42 and 43, um, this is what the thief said to Jesus. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied to him, I assure you, one of these days, is that what he said? Eventually, no, here's what he said. I assure you, let's say it, church, today you will be with me in paradise. We're going to die today on this cross, and they all did, but he said, today you're going to be with me. Your soul and your spirit are going to be with me. Now, this is what happens to believers in Jesus Christ. But what about those that are not believers in Jesus Christ? What about those who have not put their faith and trust in Christ? Because their physical body is going to die and their soul is also going to separate from their body, but something different is going to happen. That's exactly what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to go into that next week, so I'm hooking you right there with that, all right? But in all seriousness, I'm going to ask you guys, please pray for your pastor this week as I prepare for next week, because I've already been preparing. I believe with all my heart that next week is going to be one of the most challenging and difficult messages I've ever had to deliver here at Orchard Church, to be true and honest to the scriptures of what happens to someone who's not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you know someone that doesn't know Jesus, man, make sure they're here. Make sure they're here next week because we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to say yes to Jesus before it is eternally too late. Amen? And so you don't want to miss next week. You don't want to miss it. So what happens to all of us when this life is over? First, our physical bodies die. Then our souls separate from our physical bodies. And then the third thing that's going to happen is this. We will all face judgment. We will all face judgment, both believers and unbelievers alike. We will all face judgment. There's two different kinds of judgment that we're gonna talk about in just a moment. But Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.17, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. 
He goes on to say this, so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as what church? As temporary residence. What, what, what is Peter telling us? That all of us one day are gonna stand before God and give an account of our lives to God, whether a believer or an unbeliever, we're gonna answer to God. What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. And he reminds us that there is an afterlife and it's forever and it's eternal. And right now, this dash we're living in, we're just temporary residents right here. This is our temporary home. This, we're temporary residents. You know, um, as we were raising our kids, um, we tried to help them understand, we love you and we care about you, but you are temporary residents in our home. Okay, we, 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 one of these days we want you to go out and have your own home and have your own family, your temporary residence. And Peter says, we are temporary residents on this earth and we need to be thinking about the afterlife and, and eternity because we're all gonna stand before God to be judged someday. And there's two different types of judgment that we see in the scripture. One of these judgments you do not want to be at you want to avoid. One of these judgments you do want to be at, and it's a good thing, it's a positive thing, as we're gonna learn in just a moment. Let me share these two judgments with you because we will all be judged someday. And the first one is this, it's called the great white throne judgment. And most scholars and theologians, and I agree with them, believe that this is the judgment for those that did not know Jesus, did not put their faith and trust in Christ. This is for unbelievers, the great white throne judgment. You do not want to be at the great white throne judgment. John in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, uh, gives us a, a picture and description of what the great white throne judgment is gonna be like. And he says this, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Nobody could get away from this judgment. He goes on to say this, and I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before whose throne, church? God's throne, to give an account. And the books were opened, including the book of life. Everybody say book of life. The book of life. And the book of life is the most important book in all of the universe. The book of life. And watch what happens with this book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. But don't miss this. According to the scriptures, and what most theologians believe is that everyone standing at the great white throne judgment are those that didn't know Jesus, did not put their faith and trust in Christ, did not accept the gift of eternal life and salvation. They said no to Jesus and their name will not be found in that book. The, the book will be open and their name will not be there. I, I like to refer to the book of life as God's heavenly reservation book. I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it's our reservation book for heaven. Now, now, here's the good news. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in other scriptures, the Bible tells us the moment you say yes to Jesus in faith, God opens up that book and he takes out his eternal pen and he writes your name down in that book. He writes your name in that book. It's like, our, it's like our spiritual birth certificate. We had a physical birth and we had a physical birth certificate. We have a spiritual birth. We're born again when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we have a spiritual birth certificate. It's called the, the book of life. And in other scriptures in the Bible, don't miss this believers in Jesus. This is gonna encourage you right now. The Bible says once your name is in that book, you're now a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And God will never erase your name. He'll never white out your name from that book. It is there to stay. 
And that is so encouraging as a believer in Jesus Christ. We're not gonna be at the great white throne judgment because our names will be in that book. But what about those that didn't know Jesus? You know, we, when you go on vacation, if you're like I am, you're always double checking your reservations. You know, we wanna make sure we don't get there and don't have a reservation. I remember uh, several years ago, it was Valentine's Day and I wanted to surprise my wife for Valentine's Day. And um, Carrie Underwood was coming to Denver and my wife's a big, huge Carrie Underwood fan. And so I wanted to surprise her with tickets. And so I told her, I've got something special planned tonight. We're gonna go to dinner and then, and then I got a surprise after that. And so um, I had arranged tickets to go to Carrie Underwood. And then we were at dinner and she said, well, what are we doing? I said, well, I'll tell you what the surprise is now. We're going to the Carrie Underwood concert tonight. She was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's so exciting. And so we go to the venue and I'm trying to check in and I don't have a reservation. My tickets weren't good. Something was messed up, the name, I, I don't know what happened. Um, it was in February, it was sleeting, you know, rain outside, it was freezing cold. Uh, we stood outside for like an hour trying to get things worked out. I mean, I was panicking and I was so excited about this surprise and this great day. And I mean, I was freaking out. We finally got in, uh, they gave us some different tickets and, and, and we got us in just as Carrie Underwood was, was coming on the stage. We missed the opening acts. But you know what? I remember the, the fear I thought and the panic and the embarrassment but that's nothing compared to standing before God someday at the great white throne judgment, thinking that you have a reservation in heaven forever and God opens the book and says, I'm sorry, but your name is not here. Your name is not here. You say, well, how, how do I make sure my name is in that book? What, what do I have to do? Well, you, it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus Christ did for you when he died on the cross for you. And he was buried and he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And all you have to do is accept the gift of salvation by faith. And that's how your name gets in, in that book. And if you're here today and you're like, boy, I've never heard of this before, but I wanna make sure my name is in this book alive. I don't wanna miss out on that. I promise you in just a moment before we close this service, I wanna give every one of you an opportunity to know without a doubt that your name is in that book. There's a second judgment. This is the judgment you wanna be at. And it is called the judgment seat of Christ. This we believe is for believers, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. Now I know we hear that word judgment. We're like, well, I don't wanna be judged, but you gotta understand what this judgment seat of Christ is really all about. It is a good thing. It is a positive thing. Um, it is not a bad thing. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we as believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And when Paul would have said to the church in Corinth, we're gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ, they would have understood the language um, that we don't really fully understand today. He was talking about the Bema seat. The Bema seat was originated with the Greek Olympic games. And this is where the participants in the Olympic games, after the game was over, they would all stand before the judge and he would place them in the order of how they would finish and they would all receive a reward, some greater than others, but they would all finish the race and they would all be rewarded with something. And that was what he was saying. Nobody's gonna be left out. Nobody's gonna be disqualified. It's just what rewards are you gonna get for what you've done from God? Uh, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, now don't miss this. This is where a lot of people get confused. When we as believers stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we are not being judged according to our sins. That took place when Jesus Christ took his, our sins upon himself on the cross. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we are forgiven for all of our sins, past, present, and future. 
Our, our sin debt has been wiped clean. This is not a determination of whether you get into heaven or not. No, you're already in. It's rather what rewards are you going to receive from the Bema seat from Jesus. You see, we are saved by grace when we believe, when we have faith, but we are rewarded for our works of faith. We don't work for our faith, but our faith works. Are you with me, church? Say yes. We're saved by grace when we believe, but we, are, we get rewards for the works we did as Christians. Well, what are the, these rewards um, based on? They're based on how did we treat people as a Christian? What words did we use? What words did we think? How did we use our time, our talent, our treasure? Did we live on mission to help people find and follow Jesus? Were we a Broncos fan or a Raiders fan? I might have made that one up, okay? All right, just added that. Make sure you're awake still. And, and I don't have time to go into all this again. Go to gotquestions.org and you can just type this in, the five crowns in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. It'll detail what these are, but the Bible teaches us that there are at least five different types of crowns that we can receive at the judgment seat of Christ. I was going over this message again with some of the guys on staff and uh, Marcial, our Spanish pastor, was of course listening to this. He, he does every week. And he said, hey, you know what uh, the word in Spanish for crowns is? And I said, what's that? And he said, it's coronas. So he said, in OC Latina, I'm going to tell him there's going to be five coronas in heaven, okay? These coronas don't come with a lime, though, all right? We're not talking about coronas. We're talking about crowns, all right? And, and, and there's one of five crowns that we can get, or maybe all five crowns. And you can, again, go a little more depth with the book or, or got questions on this. And so if God gives us one of these crowns and he rewards us for what we've done for him, what are we going to do with these crowns? And what I want you to understand is we're not going to put these crowns on our head and go strutting around like we've been at Burger King, all right? That's, that's not what we're going to do. Don't miss this. He's gonna give us these crowns, and then I believe according to scripture, you know what we're gonna do with these crowns? We're gonna kneel down at the feet of Jesus, and we're gonna lay these crowns at the one, at the feet that deserves all of our glory and honor and worship and praise. That's what we're gonna do with these crowns. Because without Jesus' word and spirit working in and through us, we don't deserve anything. And anything we've done is because of his goodness in our life. But you want to have some crowns to lay at his feet as a believer. It's kind of like if you were a kid and you showed up at a birthday party and you forgot to bring a gift and it's really embarrassing. You, you don't, you're going to be there and you're going you're gonna to be at the party, but you want to have a crown. And as we wrap this up, here's what we want to hear. Here's what I want to hear as a believer in Jesus. I want to hear Jesus say at the judgment seat of Christ, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You, you helped kids find and follow Jesus when you served in OC Kids. You, you weren't just babysitting kids. You were helping kids find Jesus at an early age. You were, you were watching kids so mom and dad could come in and sit in the service and pay attention and, and find and follow Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful service, servant. You lived on mission to help people find and follow Jesus. That wasn't just Orchard Church's mission. That was your personal mission. You were willing to leave the 99 for that one person that was lost in your sphere of influence, that person in your family, that coworker, that neighbor, that friend. And even when people mocked you and made fun of you for being a, a Christ follower, you stayed faithful. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You didn't live a lone ranger Christian life. You were in fellowship with other believers, not just on the weekend, but you were in small group. You served, uh, you, you discipled, you, you created relationships where you could pray for one another, care for one another, serve one another. And, and let me just say this, if you're new to Orchard Church, we say it all the time. If you just come on the weekend and that's all you do, we're glad you're here. But listen, this is going to be
to become a big impersonal church really quick. And we wanna do everything we can to help you take your next step to get connected here at Orchard Church. We have an incredible event that we've created. It's called Starting Point. Um, our next one is tomorrow at 6.30 right here. We're gonna feed you dinner. We're gonna watch your kids. It's a, a free night out. All you gotta do to sign up is just go to the, the uh, Next Steps corner, go to the kiosk, you can sign up and, and get connected because God wants us in relationship. We wanna hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were generous, you, you weren't a taker, you were a giver. You weren't a consumer, you were a contributor of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. You, you lived out the, the, the value of giving first, saving second, and then living on the rest. You, you took your t- first 10% of your income and you gave it to the Lord because that's who it belongs to in the first place. You were faithful. When you didn't think anybody else was watching your faithfulness, I saw your faithfulness. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, Jesus. We wanna hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I didn't have any clothes, you gave me something to wear. And we're gonna say, Jesus, when did we do that? He said, when you help the people in your community, when you help people around you. Well done, you made disciples. Well done, my good and faithful servant. It was never about religion for you. It was about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As we wrap this up this morning, if I can just be completely real and transparent, and I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me, you would think that the longer that we are a Christian, the easier it would be to live more earth, or heavenly-minded and eternally-minded than earthly-minded. But what I've found sometimes in my life is the longer I've been a Christian, the harder it is to stay focused on eternity and heaven. It's easy to just get distracted by this world and think about today. And I have to recalibrate my heart and my mind by getting into God's word and letting his word get into me and and talking to God and being in prayer and not being distracted by the cares of this world. There was an amazing study that was recently done. I don't want you to miss this. And they, they studied thousands of churches across America of all different denominations. And they wanted to find out what led to someone's individual spiritual growth more than anything else. And it was amazing what they found. They said it wasn't regular church attendance, although that's important. It wasn't being in a small group, although that's important. It wasn't even serving, although that's important. It wasn't in-depth Bible study, although that's important. Here's what they found. They said, overwhelmingly, The number one thing that led to an individual's spiritual growth in their relationship with Jesus was just personal Bible reading and prayer. That's it. Not even in-depth Bible study, just opening God's word and letting God speak to you and talk to you and then talking to God through prayer. And that's something we can all do. And that keeps us eternally minded and heavenly minded because what we believe about eternity will affect and determine how we live today. And that we would say with Paul, whether we are here in this body or we are away from this body, our goal is to please him. Our goal is to please him. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would take this message to heart. We'd be doers of your word, not just yours only. That we would truly embrace the fact that what we believe about eternity should determine how we live today. As we continue in attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, if you are here today as a believer in Jesus Christ and you would say, if I'm honest, I'm living more for today than I am eternity. And I really wanna make it my goal to please him. I want to hear my Lord and Savior someday say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If that's your desire, would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? Amen, God bless you, hands everywhere. Hands everywhere, you can put them down. 
Would you just talk to the Lord right now, believers, and just ask Jesus to help you to stay heavenly minded, eternally minded, that you would live a life that would be pleasing to him. And as you're praying as believers, if you're here today and you would say, you know what? I I don't know for sure if my name is in that book. That got my attention. I I think it is. I, I hope it is. I want it to be. Listen, this is not something to take a chance on. This, our soul is not something to gamble with because the truth is we will all have eternal life somewhere either in heaven with God forever or separated from God forever in a horrible place called hell that God doesn't want anyone to go to is your name in the Lamb's book of life and you would say you know I'm not 100% sure maybe some of you today you need to double check your reservation you just need to make sure right now I know that I know that I have put my faith and trust in Jesus. And if if that's you, you'd say, I wanna know for sure. The Bible says this, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, anyone. And I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith out loud in just a moment. And I'm gonna invite some of you to pray this prayer from your heart to God's. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words that we say. Even if you're out there watching online, you know, just pray right where you are to know in faith that you have said yes to Jesus, that your name is the Lamb's book of life today. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? And it goes like this. Jesus, I'm calling on you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you and follow you. I want to spend eternity with you. I'm trusting you in faith. Write my name in the book of life today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me, that I might have life. Thank you, thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Nobody looking around, I don't wanna embarrass anybody. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love the privilege to pray for you right now, that you would just grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day on. So I'm gonna count to three and without anyone else looking around, if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand nice and high so I can pray for you? Just lift it up, one, two, three. Yes, God bless you right here, God bless you. Four or five people over here, God bless you. Keep them up nice and high, I don't wanna miss you. God bless you, sir, God bless you. A family together right down, right down here. Uh, Over here on my left, God bless you, amen. Yes, in the back over here. Over here on my right, way back there. God bless you, yes, right here, amen. Several hands, amen. Let me pray for you. Church family, let's pray for those saying yes to Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we just lift up all those that are putting their faith and trust in you today. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that we can know for sure that we have a reservation in heaven to be with you forever. We pray that we would grow in that our walk and relationship with you today. And we thank you that you cared enough about us to die for us, to pay for our sins, that we could have everlasting life. May we again be reminded that what we believe about eternity, that it would make a difference and determine how we live today. For your honor and your glory and our good, may we someday hear those beautiful words, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Saying yes to Jesus is the biggest decision you can ever make. We've created this booklet to help you with your next steps. So if you prayed that prayer, let us know by emailing us your address to yes at orchard.church and we'll send you a copy. Thanks for watching. Have a great week.